in all senses of the terms, it snatched it quickly. It did. It yes. didn't take a long time. It, it did not take a long time at all. Within five months, I was hooked. Did you know it? Like No, I did not. I was like, I have full control over this. I'm doing the drug. The drug is not going to do me. And mm -hmm. I've... You know, for years, that was my motto. I'm doing the drugs. The drugs ain't doing me. And, you know, mm -hmm. in all reality, the drug, the drug was doing me. Yeah. I wasn't doing the drug. Have you or someone you know been affected by mental health or substance use disorder? Well, you are not alone. Welcome to the podcast, Riverfront Talks, Substance Matters. I am Tiffany Moore, the coordinator for the Beaufort County 360 Behavioral Health Task Force. We're going to sit down and have some in-depth conversations with individuals who may have struggled themselves with mental health or substance use disorder, or perhaps know someone who has struggled. Either way, we're going to have some inspiration, motivation, and maybe even some tearjerkers. Welcome to the podcast, Riverfront Talks, Substance Matters. Welcome back, everyone, to Riverfront Talks, Substance Matters. We are back downtown on the Washington waterfront at the beautiful Mulberry House restaurant. We are up on the rooftop. It is a beautiful day. The weather is nice. Um, today, I have a special guest for you. She has an extraordinary story. She's much, much different than anyone that's been on the podcast before. So now, we're going to welcome my friend, Miss Lady. Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Simpkins. <clears throat> and Wendy, How are you? And Wendy um, actually went and got herself prepared. She's all <laughs> beautiful today. And I just want you to turn around, show off your outfit a little bit so you can get comfortable with me. Oh, isn't she beautiful? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, thank you for that, Miss Lady. Yes. Um, so now we're just going to talk real casually. Um, we're going to go through your entire journey. Um, let's get started. Um, we just want to give a little background. Like, how were you raised? Are you from Beaufort County originally? Yes. Um, my mother and father both are from Beaufort County. Um, most of my childhood, I lived here. Um, and when we weren't in Beaufort County, we were in Tennessee. So. Oh, okay. So you are a true Southern girl. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I can dig it. Um, all right. Um, well, of course, we're here today to talk about your um, recovery journey. Yes. Um, I've known you, I feel like, for some time now. It's been a while. It has <laughs> been a while, and I've enjoyed getting to know you, getting to know your story. I did, um, in speaking with you before this um, filming, learn some information about you that I think I didn't pick up along the way, so we're going to start, scoot back a little ways, and just kind of find out, like, when you were first introduced to substances. How old were you? Um, I was approximately about 12 years old when I was first introduced to um, substances. How were you introduced? 
Um, a family member, actually. Um, I was going through, you know, some issues as a child and didn't know how to cope with them. And, of course, you know, drugs are supposed to make everything better. So I tried it and thought it made my life so much wonderful. So, um, with that being said, um, and I'm not going to ask you to name the family member. That is totally your anonymity that I respect. Um, I do want to kind of touch on, you said you were going through some things. Yes. Um, I think in speaking with you previously, you talked about having co-occurring disorders um, where you dealt with substance use disorder, but you also had some mental health issues that stem from your childhood. So would you like to speak on that? Yes. Um, at around age um, five or six, um, a family of the friend, a family, a friend of the family sexually molested me and it went on for approximately four or five years which eventually turned into rape and um and I was a child and didn't know how to deal with those feelings or those emotions and um which is what led to my drug use was your family aware of the molestation yes. and the rape that you yes. experienced? Yes. Um, my mother actually um, just about caught him in the act, and um, he was arrested, and he spent 12 years in prison over the, um, over the rape. I can actually imagine that was probably a difficult situation for your mom as well, um, being that her child, her daughter, her yes. young daughter had experienced such a traumatic experience. Um, did she know how to connect with you? No, about she did it? not. She had no clue. She had never experienced anything like that in her life either. So <clears throat> she didn't know how to get me the help that I needed. So, so for a while, you were basically dealing with untreated trauma. Yes, for, and for quite a while. Yes. Because you said it was like five or six years that yes, you that endured it. Went on, it. Yes, yes. Um, so that's what led you into your initial substance abuse. Yes. You were coping. You didn't have, you know, the resources that you needed because, as you said, your mom, she wasn't, you know, used to dealing with that type of trauma or hadn't had that previous experience with it. Um, let's uh, touch on once you got started with the substance use. What was the first substance that you used? Um, opiates. Opiates was <clears throat> was the very first substance that I began with. What kind of opiate? Percocet. Percocet. Yep. Um, you know, my grandmother had a prescription of those and has had one for many years. And um, just out of the blue one day, I was just having a difficult difficult time and she was like here try this this might make you feel better and she was actually you know I want to touch on that too again just to go back when individuals or people or families don't know how to deal with trauma they try different things and for yes. her she was trying to help you yes um, it didn't inevitably help you but at the time she was doing what she she thought, thought she knew yes 
Was there any issues of substance use in your family outside of her having prescriptions for? Um, yes, my my dad is an alcoholic, has been for many years. Um, most of my aunts and uncles have struggled at one point in time in their life with um, substance use. So addiction is something that is, you know... It's hereditary. It is, and it's been in my family, you know, for many, many years. So, yeah, a lot of families suffer um, through generations, and th again, they don't know how to reach out for help to break that generational curse. Um, so, you were in honestly an ideal atmosphere where substance use was accepted as a coping mechanism for many different traumas yes. that had probably gone on for quite some time throughout your family. Yes. Okay. So when you um, started using Percocets, how was it? Like, did it, what did it do for you? Oh, it's made my world all out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, it was the best feeling in the whole world, you know. I was 12 years old, getting high, and my mind was what I thought was free. I wasn't struggling with, you know, my emotions anymore, and I was just on a, a ride. So you didn't think about any of the stuff that you would experience I in mean, the past? I mean, I can't say that I didn't think about it. Maybe not dwell? I didn't dwell on it like I was because I was just high. You felt good? Yeah. Did you, because now, you know, you're saying you were high, but at the time you were 12. Did you actually realize, like, did you internalize no, the fact that you were getting that high? I didn't realize I was getting high. I was just having, I was just enjoying myself and having a good time. Mm -hmm. How long did you use Percocets? For a couple of years. And then, um, of course, it progressed to um, cocaine. And um, that has been my biggest struggle. My Most of my, you know, my teenage years and my adult life is cocaine. So about 14 years old, 15? Yeah, about 14 or 15 is when I first started dabbling in cocaine, and that was just the all-time drug for me. It changed my whole world. So the effects you got from cocaine were different from the ones you got from Percocet? Oh, yes, very much different, and I felt like I could conquer the world on that drug. I, and I've heard that before. Um, so... When you made that transition from Percocets to cocaine, at that point, were you actually aware of the fact, okay, I am intentionally getting high, or was this still like I'm a young child, you know, it just feels good, like the euphoria you got? I think I was right at that moment of realizing I'm using an illegal drug, but I was still a child. Mm -hmm. I, I was kind of... Didn't understand the yeah, seriousness of I it. I didn't quite understand the seriousness. I knew it was illegal, but I didn't understand the, the consequences behind it. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> just to touch back on the Percocet, was that why it was maybe a little more okay to you? Because it wasn't illegal. I know she keeps saying illegal drugs, like when you refer to the cocaine. Yeah, I think, I think the, I felt like, I guess I feel like the, um, the Percocet was prescribed, you know, to my grandmother, and I and I, I I don't think I quite under. It was illegal to me too because it wasn't my prescription, but 
I think that made it, I think that's what made it okay to begin with was the fact that it was a prescribed narcotic. So, yeah, that's a lot of the reason we have the opioid epidemic. You know, that's a lot of the reason people are struggling right now with illegal drugs because um, prescription medications, you know, back then people didn't understand the seriousness mm -hmm. of using prescription drugs. They didn't know the addictive nature of a lot of these drugs. Percocets, you know, I've heard of Percocets ever since I was a child. You know, that was just... The thing. <laughs> yeah, it was a thing. People take Percocets, they go to sleep, you know, they relax. So, it triggered in your mind the difference between the two. Um, I'm kind of intentionally getting high, but not really intentionally yep. getting high with the Percocets because they're prescribed. But when... I go and I buy some cocaine, then I understand that I am directly involving myself in something illegal. Yes. Um, how did you start using the cocaine? Like, where would I know with the Percocets, we got the story behind that, um, but how did you make it? <clears throat> I, I have always, even as a child, at the age of 14, I hung out with older the older crowd I was never the one that hung out with people my age and it just was hanging out with some older older people that that day and you know they pulled out the cocaine and was like you want to try this and I was like well shit they're doing it so why not mm -hmm. let me see what it's all about yeah um and that's common you see your friends doing something you're looking at them for all intents and purposes, saying, oh, well, it's not hurting them too mm -hmm. bad. You know, they're happier, they're hyper, you know, they're enjoying life, so let me try it. What's the harm? Um, so you said cocaine typically has been your drug of choice yes. from then forward. Yep. So let's talk about the progression of cocaine. Like, was it when you first started using it? Was it a here and there thing when I'm hanging out with It was a weekend, a weekend thing. You know, we'd all go to the bars, hanging out, drinking, doing cocaine. And then it went from, um, you know, an every weekend thing to an anytime I could get it kind of thing. So, um, and then before I knew it, it was every day. <clears throat> and that's a um, progression that happens when you use substances. Um, I've heard many people say, especially college students, you know, part of my job is to talk to a lot of different people, um, is that on the weekends we used to cope, during the week we don't use it. Mm -hmm. Was that, did you have that barrier set? I did. Like, was it in your mind that that's how you would yes. continue to use? That's exactly how I thought things would continue going. It would just be a weekend kind of thing, a weekend fun, and then during the week I would get back to, you know, my week, and on the weekends, hey, mm -hmm. I would just get high on the weekends, and it <clears throat> quickly turned from every, you know, every weekend to every day. I'd say probably within four or five months it was something that I was doing every day so it's in all senses of the terms it snatched it quickly it did it yes. didn't take a long time it, it did not take a long time at all within five months I was hooked did you know it like no I did not I was like 
I have full control over this. I'm doing the drug. The drug is not going to do me. And mm -hmm. I've, you know, for years that was my motto. I'm doing the drugs. The drugs ain't doing me. And you know, mm -hmm. in our reality, the drug, the drug was doing me. Yeah. I won't doing the drug. <laughs> it had already started, and yes. you didn't know it, but no, it was happening. I had no clue. What about your friends that you started using with? Did you remain friends with them? Oh, they were my buddies. That was your buddies. That were my buddies. <laughs> what are you talking about? Those were my buddies, you know? <laughs> Did you see any of them start to um, have it show or exhibit addictive behavior before you started it? I think we were all blindsided by the drug and we couldn't see each other falling because we were we were all in the same position mm -hmm. and it's kind of you know it's kind of like wearing blinders right. to it you know we're all in the same situation we're all addicted and all of us are just too blinded to realize that so about how many years older than you were they i'm just curious Oh, they were probably in their late twenties. So they were a they lot were older. Quite a bit older than me, yes. Okay. So, um from that point in time, can you kinda give us at this time you would be about how old? You started around fourteen, uh, fifteen. Four, yeah. Probably sixteen. Sixteen, seventeen now. Were you going to school? No. No, I quit school in the eighth grade. Um, I couldn't stay out of trouble, I, and I was constantly in trouble. I, and if I wasn't getting in trouble, I was skipping school to go get high. So, And it just, at the time, just didn't seem worth it. So I quit school. Um, thought I was one of, you know, one of the, the cool kids and didn't need school, and... My friends were more important. My friends and getting high were more important than an education. So, so would you say that getting high was the reason you quit school, or is that something you think would have yeah, happened? Anyway? It was definitely the reason for me quitting school. Just because the importance of being able to hang yep. out and get high yep. and be was, around older exactly. people was a lot more important than my education. Do you regret any of that? As far as your education. I'm not going to sit here and say that I regret anything because it's made me the person that I am today. But there were a few things that I wish I could have done differently. But Did you have any friends? Like, did you stay in contact with any friends that you made in school? Or No, I didn't. So you totally just broke away and this exactly. was the crowd that, that you wanted crowd, to yeah. be around. Nobody else just... I didn't have time for those little immature kids. You know, that's how I felt. They were children. And I was nothing but a kid myself, but I didn't have time for that. Okay. Well, I mean, that, um, again, for a while, you're around older people. You matured a lot quicker than your average child would that just kind of did the straight and narrow, you know, um, hung around kids their age, things like that. So you were, in your mind, a lot more a mature. A lot older, yes. In my mind, <laughs> I was a lot older. <laughs> well, you know, that's all kids, I think. Um, 
All right, so from there, can you kind of tell us, like, maybe how were your 20s? Um, my early 20s is when I finally realized that I had a problem. And, um, of course, in the 90s, you know, substance abuse wasn't something that was broadcasted out there or, you know, on how to get help for substance abuse or so I struggled for many years knowing that I had this addiction and didn't know how to get the help that I needed. And um it just kind of I would try to I would work and try to you know, get myself out of that, but I would wind up right back into the the same predicament every time. It just it was always I would go straight back to, and it's like so. My twenties was spent knowing that I had this addiction, but don't know how to to get away from it. And then my thirties come along, and it just it's it seemed like a never ending battle. And up until, you know, I have had quite a few run-ins with the law. And some of the last um, experiences that I've had with the law is when I finally um, was able to get somewhere to where I could actually try to receive the help that I needed to get, you know, for the substance use. What was your first initial... I guess, introduction to some type of help? I I, um, I heard about the methadone clinic, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, wow, this is going to solve all my problems, right? So I go there, and um, I do the assessment and everything, and they're like, yeah, you're a great candidate for this program, and... At the time, I didn't realize that I was going to be trading one substance for another one. Got me away from the cocaine, but then I was just hooked on methadone. And before I knew it, I was doing way more methadone than what I was prescribed. And I was just right back into the addiction again. So... Was this outpatient? I'm assuming it was outpatient. Yes, it was outpatient. So part of your treatment plan was to get you off of cocaine yes. by using methadone. By taking methadone, and you have to go. And how it goes is, um, you have to go every day and dose at the clinic, and then you also do groups where um, you talk about your problems or issues that you're having or whatever. And and I was there for probably two years. And, of course, you know, it worked to get me off of the cocaine. But, bef- like I said before, I realized that I had an issue with the methadone. So. so the whole two years you were being treated with methadone? Yes. When you say you had a problem with the methadone, explain that a little bit more. Um, in the beginning, I done a one, I done wonderful. I, 
you know, dose like I was supposed to. And then it really didn't, um, the full effect of it really didn't begin until I was able to get what they call take-homes. You're able, once you um, build up, you know, your clean time and all that, they give you, they allow you take-homes where you don't have to come and dose at the clinic every day. And then before I knew it, I was taking two days worth of medicine in one day and then within a couple of months of having the take-homes I was taking three or four days medicine in one day and I would run out by the fourth day and then have to go out on the street and buy the methadone. So a couple of things there. Um, Just for clarity for Anyone who doesn't know what MAT is and treatment and things like that and not familiar with the methadone clinic, when you say you dosed at the clinic, that means they stipulated in order to receive the methadone, you had to come there and someone actually give it to you yes. every day. Yes. And then at a certain point, you've kind of developed that rapport with them. They know you've been clean, at least clean from illicit, illicit yes. street substances. Yes. So they trust you to dose yourself yes. at home. And how much did would they give you at a time? Um, it just really, I, I think I started out at 20 milligrams, and before it was all said and done, I was on 190 milligrams a day. So they would increase the dosage over time? Yes. Was that What was that based on when they decided to increase it? Based on me saying that I'm not feeling... It's not working the way. This dose isn't working anymore like it was. So they would take your word for it. Yes. And just increase the dose. And increase it. And it was just that easy. It was that easy. Okay. And you said after that, you know, you started taking more than you were supposed to in a day's time. Mm -hmm. So then you started buying it from the streets. How did you even know you could get it from the streets? Because, you know, personally, a lot of people would think, you know, Methadone. This is a controlled substance. They keep it under lock and key. Again, you got to go in there and let them dose you because they don't trust to give it to you initially. So, how did you even know that you could get it from streets? People from the clinic that I was in the clinic with. So there were other participants in the um, treatment selling their medicine. Yes. Okay. Were they selling it because they weren't using, they were using street drugs um, still, or they just didn't need it and it was a means of making money? It was a hustle. It was just a means of making money, yes. Okay. Well, um, Wendy, again, she has an extraordinary journey that she has gone through. Um, Wendy is our, again, very, very special guest. We are going to pick up with the continuation of her story Um, a part two. So stay tuned. See y'all shortly. Thank you all for joining us for this episode of Riverfront Talks Substance Matters. If you are from the Beaufort County area and know someone who is suffering from mental health and substance use disorder and may be looking for resources, my information is below in the description. We also would like your feedback to gather input about today's episode. Um, Please also complete the short survey listed in the description. A special thank you to our sponsors, ECU Health Beaufort Hospital and KB Reynolds Charitable Trust. Like, share, and subscribe.
See you later.